Hello again, this is Timothy Aaron, your host of Mouth Sword Ministries, and I'm also joined by Rhonda Kay. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we're going to have another uh, question and answer session. Uh, but let me get right into prayer first. Uh, I want to thank the Lord for another day he's given us, uh, for waking us up in the morning and uh, for allowing us to get around on our own, in our own strength, without any assistance from a wheelchair or crutches. We just thank God for his much mercy towards us and uh, for his provision and for his loving kindness and favor. We thank you and we give you praise for all you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Um, We're going to um, do a third episode here of uh, questions and answers. So um, let me see if I have anything to say. I know um, it seems like after I give the best answer I can give, I feel like I left something out sometimes. So, uh, but if it comes back to me, I just try to, you know, go back and bring it up. So, okay, you have, uh, what questions do you have for me today? Okay, my first question is, define what marriage is. Define what marriage is. Okay, I'm going to paraphrase what marriage is. Marriage is a commitment between a man who has left his parents and a woman consummated by sex. Uh, once again, marriage is a commitment between a man who has left his parents and a woman consummated by sex. Um, I get that paraphrase from uh, Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 19. Um, like I said in the last episode, I just quoted Jesus says, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Uh, and for this cause, for the cause of male and female. So that's a heterosexual standard, not a homosexual, but a heterosexual standard. So uh, the phrase same-sex marriage is a contradiction within itself because the very definition is a heterosexual definition. So he said, uh, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And for this cause, for the cause of male and female, shall a man leave father and mother you know <clears throat> sometimes men uh, don't want to leave their parents you know but they want to have a wife and so they find a woman and try to bring her home and move her into his bedroom and all that kind of foolishness and no no you got to leave father and mother like the rapper said uh, in order to cleave you must leave that's what the rapper said so uh, therefore shall the man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife and they too male and female shall become one flesh so the word cleave it means to join to join how sexually sexually that's how you become one flesh now that alone is not what makes um, men and women married it just makes them one flesh and um, how we know that is in first Corinthians chapter six, the apostle Paul is getting on the Corinthians for buying prostitutes. Uh, the men in Corinth were buying prostitutes. And he says, don't you know that when you join yourself to a prostitute, to a harlot, 
you become one flesh with her. And uh, he said, for saith he, talking about Jesus, for saith he, they too become one flesh. So, so sex is the physical law of oneness, of one flesh. Okay? So whenever a man and a woman have sex, they become one flesh, whether in fornication or in marriage. But they become one flesh. Okay? So he says... Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too, male and female, become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one. Now here's what makes them married. Wherefore, what God has joined together, join, the word join means sex. Wherefore, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder, or let not man separate. So once man and woman have sex, then they are supposed to stay together for life. And that's what makes you married. <clears throat> when a man leaves his parents, cleaves, and there's commitment. Okay. So when you meet those steps, those standards, according to God's word, you are married. Whether you had a wedding or not, whether you got a marriage license or not whether you have exchanged vows or not, all of that's neither here nor there. When you meet these steps right here in Matthew chapter 19, starting at the fourth verse, that's what makes you marry. Okay. So hopefully that helps somebody out there. Uh, I kind of talked about this in the last episode. So this was a good question because it kind of allowed me to elaborate on the last episode a little bit more. So, Okay. What's the next question? Can a Christian divorce? Okay. Can a Christian divorce? <laughs> um, over the years, you know, I've, I've grew up in church all my life and, 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 and the, the divorce exception list just keeps growing and growing and growing. But Jesus only gives one exception for divorce and uh he says that in um matthew chapter 19 i believe verse verse 9 <clears throat> and um and this one is very very critical uh i have um heard many preachers and pastors and even television ministries really get this one wrong um, and it's unfortunate because <clears throat> you know a lot of families break up based on what pastor has told me or based on what the minister has taught and they get it wrong and um, and uh, so but um, there's only one exception for divorce and Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, he says, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her, which is put away, doeth commit adultery also. So the only exception for divorce is a wife that commits fornication. Now, most modern day Bible teachers 
teach that a spouse that commits fornication can be divorced. But Jesus specifically with detail said, whosoever puts away his wife. Okay. I, you know, over the years I have firsthand heard a pastor counsel married couples and teach that a spouse can put away a spouse for fornication. And that is adding to the word of God. And that's unfortunate, you know, um, that, that brings to mind another passage of scripture in uh, Proverbs chapter 30, uh, verses five and six. Uh, Solomon says, for the word of the Lord is pure. It is a shield unto them that put their trust in it. Add not to his word, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. So what Solomon is teaching here is that God is going to classify everyone who adds to his word as a liar. And then John goes on to say that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. So you don't want to be classified as a liar, as a liar. You know, that's, that's a big deal. So, uh, it's very important that we get the details right. Now, once again, Jesus said that a man whosoever puts away his wife, he didn't say whosoever puts away their spouse for fornication. He said whosoever puts away his wife. And the reason why he says it like that is because uh, you, the Apostle Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says for the head uh, of every man is Christ. And then he says, and the head of the woman is the man. So you have what you, what you call divine order of headship. And because of the headship that God gave man over woman is why Jesus said it the way he said it. That's why Jesus gives the husband the authority to put away the wife of fornication, but he never gives the wife the right to put away her husband for fornication. So we have to understand that. And so um, I wonder how many women of God have found themselves in divorce court, divorcing their husband because pastor told them it was okay, you know, and I'm sure there's thousands, if not millions, you know, and uh, that's unfortunate. That is extremely extremely unfortunate so uh, like like the cliche goes the devil is in the details and this is a prime example of the devil really being in the details Jesus said once again that a man could put away his wife for fornication he never said a spouse could put away a spouse for fornication so once you add change it from from man to spouse you just change the whole narrative of the scripture so so I hope um, that shines some light. Now, the Apostle Paul, he gets to talking about uh, the situation of a believer being married to a non-believer. And even the Apostle Paul tells you that um, you have to stay with your spouse, even if they're a non-believer, if they want to stay with you. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So he lets you know. If that unbelieving spouse wants to stay with you, you need to stay with them. You can't just divorce them because 
it was never God's will for people to divorce. Okay, um, I think uh, I said enough on that for now. You have um, another question for me? Is the wrath of God the same thing as the Great Tribulation? Oh, okay, that's a really good question. Uh, no, they're not the same thing. The wrath of God is not the same thing as the Great Tribulation. Um, according to the book of Daniel, there's going to be a final seven-year period. And when that final seven-year years begin, it's going to be divided up into, into two halves. And the first half, the first three-and-a-half-year period, is going to be a, the the time of the church, a great revival led by the two witnesses. And the two witnesses are going to do great things, and they're going to win a lot of people to Christ in Jesus' name and by doing a lot of wonderful, great things. It's going to be a great revival. And then after that time period is up, then the last three and a half years is going to be the great tribulation led by Satan and uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And um, so that last three and a half years is the great tribulation. And then the wrath of God comes after that as a result of the great tribulation. So Jesus is going to come back with the sword in his mouth. That is the title of our show, Mouth Sword. He's going to come back uh, with great wrath and to execute judgment on the earth to all those who have taken the mark of the beast and who have followed the Antichrist. And so the, the wrath of God is, is, is totally different and it's going to be a lot worse than the great tribulation. I hope that was clear. It was. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we might have time for one more question. Do you have um, another question? Um, what is the Great Red Dragon? The Great Red Dragon. Okay. Um, the Great Red Dragon, uh, the Bible talks about the, the Great Red Dragon in... Um, Revelations chapter 12 and in Revelations chapter 13. And the great red dragon, I believe, is, is talking about the devil, okay? Um, when Satan gets kicked out of heaven, and that's another good point, a lot of people talked about talks as if Satan has been kicked out of heaven already, and he has not. Um, you know, in Isaiah chapter 14 and 13, uh, Isaiah is a prophet and he's talking about Satan falling and people think that he is talking about what has happened already. No, a prophet talks about what is going to happen in the future. And, um, and so fa to fast forward to the book of Revelations, Revelations is doing the same thing and it's talking about the same thing, the fall of Satan in uh, Revelations chapter 12. So Satan hasn't fallen from heaven yet. And um, but when he does, he's going to establish a kingdom, a home on the earth. And uh, and I believe that home is going to be China, the great red dragon. 
Um, I don't know if you notice anything about China, but one of the things that China loves to do is to have pictures of dragons all over the land. You know, that's their mascot, a dragon, a dragon. And red, I was taught, is the color of communism. And uh, China is one of the main communist countries. So the great red dragon, I believe, is going to be uh, the devil when he falls, when he's kicked out of heaven and when he falls to the earth and he establishes his world headquarters on the earth. And it's going to be, I believe, China. All right. All right. That was uh, some good questions. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this session. Uh, I believe this is the third episode of Mouth Sword Ministries. And um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, close in prayer. But before I do, once again, if you have any questions, comments, you can email us at T Aaron at thief in the night ministries dot com. That's T Aaron at thief in the night ministries dot com. OK, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you for uh, allowing us to talk about your word and to uh, bring up topics that are very important so that we can get your word right um please lord allow us to continue to uh, walk in faith and to continue to walk humbly before you so that um we would be pleasing in your sight these things we ask in the mighty name of jesus we pray amen amen